beautifully sung, beautiful, beautiful uh, words, beautiful. And I think as Christians, sometimes we forget that we can be like that before God and, and be in anguish to say, how long, O oh Lord, how long? You know, we're, we're in good company. I'm just reading there as the ladies were singing Psalm 13, which is where that, that's from. And the psalmist says, How long will thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long will thou hide my face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. That's Psalm 13 and that's what that song's penned from. And Psalm 13 is, is that psalm of, of how long, how long, Lord. And I was thinking about that little concept there just as we were singing and, and just meditating upon it and thinking about what I wanted to share from the scripture this evening. And... You know, we sing that so similarly to those that have gone before in Judaism. We get into the Old Testament and their desire was for Messiah to come. And they would cry out for him to come and redeem them and to restore them and to be the Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament scripture. So their heart was how long, how long? We sing it today and we say how long, how long for the second coming of that same Messiah. Now how privileged are we to be able to sing it in that way? Because we saw him. They missed him. They missed him. Jesus from Nazareth that, that came and you know we looked at it this morning that he lived a, a, you know, an exceptional life in unexceptional circumstances. But yet when he began his ministry publicly, the Jews should have seen him for who he was, for the miracles he did, for the way he taught, for just the very fact of his entire being. They should have saw him for who he was. He came in grace. And they missed him. They missed him. And for that generation, they sinned away their day of grace. By not recognizing the one who had come. And that's what we want to look at tonight, just briefly, because we're sharing these gospel messages, we're sharing testimonies. But as I said last week, and I'll say again, that God won't be mocked, He won't be trifled with. You ever heard the old uh, statement from somebody, oh, when I'm on my deathbed, I'll, I'll, I'll call out to God. But until then, I'm going to do what I want, how I want. Comes time. I'll cry to God and, you know, he'll save me. Like God is obligated like some puppet to respond to us. And I, I, I couldn't be further from the biblical truth. God will not be mocked. He is not a genie in a bottle. He's not a parachute that we just pull out at the end to save us. He is the eternal creator God. And we can send away our day of grace. And if God hardens our heart, it's done, it's over. 
And I want to take you to an example of that. I want to show you this principle as it happens out, as it plays out before us in the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to take us back to Mark. We're in Mark's Gospel this morning. We're going to go back into Mark's Gospel tonight. I want us to turn to Mark chapter number 6. Now, I will say, some people are going to get up and leave at this message. But it's not because they're offended. It's because they have to go, because Calvin's on his way back to God's home country. So, I haven't convicted him about his salvation. He's just, he is just, <laughs> to go. But Mark's gospel, chapter number 6, and we're, we're, we're going to have a look at the story of Herod. Now, Herod... In Scripture, there are a couple of Herods in Scripture. The Herod that we're dealing with is not the Herod that extended the temple. He's not the Herod that tried to exterminate all the the babies and to stop the the birth of the Messiah. This is uh, Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas was the ruler of Galilee and the Perea area. And this is who we're dealing with this morning. This is is Herod who had John the Baptist slain. And we're going to see this as we go. But as we look at this man, Herod, I want you to see how he sends away his day of grace. Look at verse 14. It says, And King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread about. And he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works to show forth themselves in him. I want you to notice, first of all, that Herod hears of Jesus. He hears of him. So it says there in verse 14, King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad. So Jesus was on his ministry. His name was being spread abroad because, um, you know, we, we kind of get the, the, the thought sometimes, just because we focus in on the last week of his life, that everybody had turned against him. But the reality is there that that's the city folk in Jerusalem that turned. The country folk were with him. That's where he did his ministry. Spread abroad. And they knew of him. And Herod heard of him. And Herod is stirred as he hears of Jesus. Something stirring his heart because he's a man, ultimately, that's laden with guilt. That's what we want to identify in Herod. He's eaten up about his past. Um, and this is why he can't get it off his mind. Because he's been involved in something that he knew he shouldn't be involved in. He's got tricked, if you were, Tricked is a strong word because it's his own foolish pride and behavior that has led him to get into the situation where he takes the action he does that results in the beheading of John the Baptist. So he has John the Baptist in his mind. What I want to say to you as we put uh, uh, the uh, flesh and bones on this text this morning, because, or this morning, this evening, because we have to understand that this is a real person. Herod's a real person. And he's laden with guilt. How do I know this? Because John the Baptist is on his mind. He's on his mind. And if ever you get to the point where you have done something and you're guilty over it, and and the conviction is upon you, then it should be in your mind. You can't shake it. And Herod hears of, of Jesus... He thinks it's John the Baptist, verse 16. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John who am beheaded. He's risen from the dead. What's he saying? This man that's doing all these mighty miracles and power. It's John the Baptist back again. He's come back to haunt me. He's after me. The guilt is clear to see on Herod's soul. Mark tells us what had happened, verse 17. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John. 
So notice there's a personal responsibility there of Herod for what takes place. He'd bound him in prison for Herodias' sake. His wife, that's his brother's wife, Philip, very interesting thing with Jesus. This is magnificent. This is a little side note, a little, little side, side nugget for you. Don't want to go off on a tangent, but these two brothers that ruled the two areas didn't get on. They didn't get on because one had nicked his brother's wife. That's generally not a good thing for Christmas dinners, family Christmas dinners, right? I suppose it depends on who the wife is and whether it was a good thing that she went or not. Anyway, so what what happens with with Jesus as you watch as he moves in his ministry and, and moves into Capernaum, he moves into an area that is dominated by Philip. And he moves away from an area that is dominated by uh, Herod and Tippus. And he does that because the heat is rising with Herod and Tippus. And then so he moves, and he moves to an area where he knows that the influence of Herod and Tippus isn't going to be felt. It's, it's masterful when you watch Jesus move. He doesn't just move like on a whim. It's... it's, it's you know, we look at our politicians and we say, whether we like them or not, sometimes we look at it and say, that was political genius, the move that they made. If you want to see a master politician in everything that he did, in the truest sense, without ever compromising, you look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's masterful. He's masterful. But Herod, Herod here has, has John the Baptist on the brain. And Mark uh, unpacks... What John had said to Herod, verse 18, John had said to Herod, it's not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. He knew that it wasn't lawful. So John, a preacher of truth, told the truth. Of course, Herod didn't like this. Herodias absolutely didn't like this. Verses 19 uh, onwards there tell us that uh, they, uh, she had a quarrel against John. She wanted to kill him, but she couldn't because verse 20 tells us that Herod still feared John. He knew he was a prophet, still feared God in some way. But then the events transpire as they do um, for all the way down to verse 29. We don't have time to, to read of it there. But basically, Herodias plays her own political moves and, and Herod gets to the place where he has to offer up John to her. And John know, or Herod knows that he's done the wrong thing. He's guilt on his mind. He's got John the Baptist on his mind. So when Herod heard of Jesus, he immediately thinks about the guilt that he has and the wrong that he's done before God. And he knows it's before God because he knew that John was a prophet of God. So not, let's not be in, under any illusions that Herod was some atheist here. Yes, he was of the Herodian dynasty, but still... He was pointing back to the one true God of Israel and he knew what he'd done was wrong. So what I'm saying to you, his soul was exceedingly guilty before God and he knew it. And he heard of this Jesus, this mighty miracle worker, this forgiver of sins. And he said, oh, it must be John. But the point that I want to make is that he'd heard of Jesus. he heard of him. And he'd also heard from him. I want you to turn to Luke's gospel now. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, verse 31. It's quite a unique little portion of scripture. Yes, Herod had heard of Jesus. 
But now he's going to hear from him. Luke 13, verse 31. The same day there came certain of the Pharisees saying unto him, this is Christ, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow, and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. So Jesus sends a message to Herod. This is quite unique in Scripture, that he specifically calls him out. On the back of the news that Herod wants to kill him, just like he's done with John the Baptist before. Remember the man that was laden with guilt? Doesn't come to Christ in any form of repentance, none. In fact, he says and sends messengers out to say, if I see this Jesus, I'm going to kill him. Jesus responds and says, you're a fox. Go tell Herod he's a fox. What do we think about foxes? The terminology. No different from what the time at Jesus' time they would think about fox. If it was, give, give me some words. If I say, let's do word association, church. All right, here we go. Okay, right. I say fox, you say? Sly. Sly. Right, right, you've got that. Fox. Cunning, Cunning yes. Fox. Right, okay. There's, there's got to be more kind of adjectives to describe a fox, surely. You don't help them out. They're not getting out of this. Crafty. Crafty, right. So the, the, that's the main thing that you've said about foxes. There's other things about foxes we could say. They prey on smaller animals and all that sort of stuff and you know, generally come out at night. But you get the concept. So what, what, is, what is Jesus saying to Herod? He's saying you're, you're sly. You're cunning. But I know all about you. I know all about you. I know all about you. This message that was sent was one that was um, unique from Jesus. He admonishes this man. He calls him out. Talks about the time being short. And by extension the time for Herod would be Short. <coughs> Jesus calls out Herod, and then verses 34 and 35, there's this general lament over Jerusalem, over the people. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets, and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hand doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. There was no repentance. Verse 35, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And verily I say unto you, you shall not see me until the time come when you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. That time is yet future. But for that generation, Herod being the picture of that generation, because Jesus calls out Herod and he says, You're sly. Now, what have the Pharisees been doing in Jesus' life 
all the way through his ministry. They've been trying to trip him up. They've been trying to catch him out. So he, he calls out Herod, this, this huge public figure, and says, you're a fox. And then he goes on to say, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would have gathered you, but you would not. What's happening here? This is judgment, verse 35. Your house is left unto you desolate. So we've got this picture in Herod, but by extension, this bigger teaching of the nation. So Herod heard of Jesus. He'd heard all about him. Application today, somebody that's heard the gospel. More importantly then, Herod heard from Jesus specifically, called him out in a sin, specifically. There's opportunity for Herod to say, you know what, you're right. I have been sly, and I have been cunning, and I have done the wrong thing, and I have uh, been um, wrong before God. Now I'm going to come, and I'm going to repent, and I'm going to accept you as Savior, just as it could have been for the nation. Just as it could be for anybody that's heard of Jesus and heard from him because his word is a word from him. A beautiful verse that Lois shared. Whosoever call on the name of the Lord. That's a word from God. Herod heard of Jesus. He heard from him. And then finally, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 23. And we're going to see that Herod stands before Jesus. He stands before him. He heard of him. He heard from him. And finally he stands before him. Luke 23, verse number 6. And when Pilate heard of Galilee. Now this is in the uh, last week of the Lord's life. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. As soon as he heard that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, remember now Gal- Galilee's Herod and Tippus jurisdiction, he sent them to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he desired of, of to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with many words. I want you to see that. But he answered him nothing. 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 Verse 10. The chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod with his men of war set him at naught, mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, sent him again to Pilate. So here we have, towards the end of Christ's life, Passion Week, Herod wants to see Jesus. He wants a miracle done by him. He wants to hear a word from him. He wants to hear a teaching. He wants to have something happen to him. He wants Jesus for his own little personal performance. He stands before him. He looks at him face to face. Questions him. And Jesus had nothing to say. Nothing to say. No more turn to me. No more repent and be saved. It's done. It's done. Herod had his time. 
He heard of Jesus. He was the Messiah. That it was undeniable. He'd heard from him. Jesus had called him out in the sin in his life. In the guilt in his life. Pointing him back to all those things that he'd done with John the Baptist. Called him a fox. Called him sly. Called out that time was short. No repentance. And here in the last hours of Jesus' life, Herod stands before him face to face, eyeball to eyeball, with the one that could save his soul. And he asks him for a word. And he gets none. Nothing. Jesus had nothing to say to this man. His day of grace was done. It was finished. It was over. Not one act of supernatural power. Not a murmur. Nothing. This man had had his opportunity. His day of grace was over. And history records that Herod dies not long after this. Not long after this. This man wanted Jesus on his terms. Jesus had nothing for him. Jesus wasn't obligated to show grace. He chose to show grace. He came amongst his people. He'd revealed himself as Messiah. Herod had heard of it. Jesus had personally reached out to him, called him out. But he hadn't done anything with it. Nothing. And the time comes when he wants something. And Jesus says, no, it's done. The application for us here is that our salvation rests upon God and God alone. John 6, 44, No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent him, draw him, and I will raise him up unto that last day. It's God that saves us. We're called to come from him. That's hearing of Jesus. That's the call of God upon his creation. As we wake up every day and see the sunrise and the sunset and we witness creation all around us that we laugh, we have these emotions. I was sitting, my dog was lying, sleeping on me today and I was just looking at it. And, and when you just look, you go, how did that get here? Why would you, if evolution was true, why would that evolve? Silly thing. God's calling. Everybody's heard of him. And then through his written word, he has spoke to us. He has a word for each and every one of us revealed in his written word. The Logos, the living word as the written word. That is the call of God. And when God calls and calls and calls, we have to answer. And if we do not answer, if we reject and we reject, there's going to be a day where we're going to stand before him and we're going to see him as he is and we're going to want a word. We're going to want him to save us. And he's going to do nothing. Because the day of grace has been sinned away. Paul says in Corinthians, today is the day. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Isaiah 
in the Old Testament. Chapter 55, verse 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. If Herod had forsaken his way, if Herod had repented when Jesus called out to him, the events of Luke 23 would be very different, I believe, when Herod stood before the Lord because he would have got a word from his friend and his master and his saviour. Instead, what transpired that day is that Herod stood before Christ as if he was judge. And the reality was the one who was silent, the one who was being mocked and beaten, was the one who was the judge. But Herod had sent it away. So what's my message as we close? It's great to hear the gospel. It's great to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we don't do anything with it, we can truly sin our way a day of grace. And when the hour comes, we want a word from the Lord. He's not obliged to give it. Let's not mess about like Herod did all those years ago. Let's pray.